What's up, everyone, and welcome back to new release reactions here on Cinematic Reviews. As always, I'm your host, Chris, and this is a show about all things movie and TV. Every week, I get my thoughts and reactions to the newest releases like Shazam! Fury of the Gods and Scream 6, beloved franchises, and even upcoming projects. You can, of course, support the show by hitting that follow button on your favorite podcast service, as well as following the show on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. All those handles can be found on the Cinematic Reviews Facebook page or the website at podpage.com backslash Cinematic Reviews. It helps out the show a lot, and I really do appreciate all the love and support out there from everyone. Today, we return to two franchises that have previously been reviewed on the show, the DC Extended Universe and the Scream franchise. I'll be giving my spoiler-full thoughts on Shazam! Fear of the Gods and Scream 6. But first, let's head over to the new release report. Welcome back to the new release report. Over on HBO Max, we have The Last of Us Season 1, starting Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. All nine episodes are now streaming, as well as the making of The Last of Us. Succession, the fourth and final season, premieres March 26. On Disney+, Plus, The Mandalorian Season 3 is out now. New episodes drop every Wednesday, as well as The Bad Batch Season 2. On Netflix, Luther, The Fallen Sun is streaming now. All 10 episodes are available. And Murder Mystery 2, starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, will arrive March 31st. Over on Apple TV+, Plus, Shrinking, starring Jason Segel and Harrison Ford, is out now. New episodes drop every Friday. As well as Ted Lasso Season 3, Every uh, all the new episodes will arrive on Wednesdays. And Tetris, starring Taron Egerton, arrives on the streaming platform March 31st as well. On Peacock, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Megan are both now streaming. On VOD, Cocaine Bear is out now to own, as well as all the Oscar nominee winners, The Whale, Babylon, etc., etc. Uh, Missing, Knock at the Cabin are available as well. And Avatar, The Way of Water, will arrive to own on March 28th. TBD on the Disney Plus uh, release date. In theaters, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is out now. Check out the newest chapter of the DCEU. 65, starring Adam Driver, is out as well. Followed by Scream 6, Champions, starring Woody Harrelson. Inside, starring Wilhelm Dafoe. Creed 3, and the newest chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Looking ahead, we have John Wick, Chapter 4, arriving in theaters March 24th. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, on March 31st. Air, starring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, will have an exclusive theater run on April 5th. And then it will be uh, put on to the Prime Video streaming service after that. The Mario Brothers movie uh, will arrive April 5th as well. Paint, starring Owen Wilson on April 7th. The Pope's Exorcist, starring Russell Crowe on April 7th as well. Renfield, starring Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt on April 14th. The Covenant, starring Jake Gyllenhaal on April 21st. And Evil Dead Rise 
will also be arriving in theaters April 21st. Well, that is the new release report for this week. Let's take a quick break before diving into Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Check out the Game of Thrones season going on right now. Every week I break down five episodes of the hit HBO series, which is based on the acclaimed novels by George R.R. Martin. Later this week, I'll be breaking down the last five episodes of season five. Feel free to go back and listen to seasons one through four and part one of season five if you haven't already, only on Cinematic Reviews. Shazam! Fury of the Gods was released in theaters on March 17th, 2023. It was directed by David F. Sandberg, who is best known for directing both Shazam! films as well as Annabelle Creation. The film stars Zachary Levi returning as Shazam, Asher Angel as Billy Batson, Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddy, Adam Brody as Superhero Freddy, Jaiman Hansu as The Wizard, and Helen Mirren as Espera. The film has reportedly made 30 to 35 million uh, domestically uh, with uh, opening weekend against a $125 million budget. It is already being labeled a flop, which is no surprise there. This seems to be the latest trend with the DCEU. Uh, we have two films left The Flash and Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom. Supposedly, The Flash will be the best of the bunch, uh, but we will see when that arrives this summer. Uh, Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom has already been predicted to be a flop along with Shazam! Fury of the Gods. That'll arrive later this year in December. The Daughters of Atlas do not appear in the comics. They were solely created for this film. That was an interesting choice. Originally, Henry Cavill's Superman and Ben Affleck's Batman were set to appear in the film. Superman was scripted to be unsuccessfully trying to break the dome while Batman stood and watched. Yagodo's Wonder Woman did, however, make an appearance in the film. And the future of Zachary Levi's Shazam will depend on the reception of Shazam Fury of the Gods. And like I said, with it already being labeled a flop, I would not count on Zachary Levi returning uh, for James Gunn's DC Universe. So Shazam Fury of the Gods has one major problem that I noticed when watching it. It doesn't really know what it is. It's kind of a mess, honestly. It's a superhero slash comedy slash horror slash romance film. It's really all over the place. Uh, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around what I just saw. I liked a lot of moments in it, uh, but it's not a good movie, unfortunately. And that's coming from me, the giant DC nerd that has defended most of the DCEU, especially the Zack Snyder stuff. Uh, the trailers didn't paint a very good picture to begin with, and after watching it this past weekend, I'm more mixed on it than ever. Uh, so Fury of the Gods finds Billy and the rest of the family trying to be the heroes that Philly needs. Uh, however, it's not going so well. The people of Philadelphia are kind of annoyed with them. At least that's what I took out of it. Uh, towards the end of the film, they start to warm up to them after all the chaos that unfolds uh, from the hands of the Daughters of Atlas. Um, the Daughters of Atlas are the villains of this story. Helen Mirren is Hespera, Lucy Liu as Calypso, and Rachel Zegler as Anthea. Uh, Calypso ends up being the, the true villain of the story once Anthea falls for Freddy and Hesperia realizes that Calypso is taking things way too far. 
uh, in order to trap Shazam and his family and the rest of Philadelphia. Uh, they put Philadelphia inside a dome. Uh, the whole time I was thinking they totally stole that from the Simpsons movie. Remember that movie when it came out when Springfield was trapped inside a dome for environmental reasons? Pretty much the same idea here, except the dome and Fury of the Gods was used to trap the Shazam family in order to steal their powers. Uh, not a very interesting plot. Uh, you pretty much stay for the humor and the small action sequences that are in the film. I do love Zachary Levi. Uh, I know he's getting uh, dragged through the mud with some of his social media posts lately. Uh, and I'm not going to get into any of that because this is a movie podcast, not a politics one. Uh, but Levi was one of the reasons why I love the first Shazam film so much. He was hilarious and charming as Shazam. He definitely carried uh, that over into Figure of the Gods. Uh, I'm not, I'm still not vibing with Asher Angel, who returns as Billy Batson. I enjoyed the film more when Levi was on screen. Uh, Jack Glazer and Adam Brody steal the movie yet again uh, with the Freddy character. He's basically me if I got superhero powers. Uh, a giant nerd who has read one too many comics. The rest of the family was fun. Not as much as the first film, though. No. Uh, I think everything was better in the first film, honestly. Helen Mirian was kind of a what other uh, whatever villain. Uh, I mean, Mark Strong wasn't a world-shattering villain in the first film, but I liked his character far better than what uh, Helen Mirian and the rest of the Daughters of Atlas were doing in this film. Freddy's relationship with Athena was kind of cute. Uh, you could tell that they really did care about each other. I was more invested in their relationship, surprisingly, than the rest of the film. Uh, I'm a sucker for the nerd finally getting the girl storyline. So that was perfect for me. Uh, Lucy Liu was the main villain, like I said, towards the end of the film. And she was fine also. Uh, I knew going into the film that Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu were going to be whatever villains. Uh, that's at least what the trailer kind of painted the picture as. And it was pretty much true for this film as well. I did like the action sequences, though. Uh, the CGI wasn't top-notch, uh, but it was good enough for theaters. This is definitely a film that should be seen in theaters at least once. Uh, like I keep saying on this show, I'm a huge supporter of theaters. So even bad movies like Shazam should be still seen in theaters at least once. Uh, Shazam going up against Lucy Liu and her dragon was pretty cool. We get a, we get a funny uh, line from Shazam yelling, Hey, Khaleesi! as he punches the dragon, which was great because uh, if you've been following the podcast, I am breaking down all the Game of Thrones seasons. Uh, so that was really cool to get a, a quote from Shazam about Game of Thrones. I had a blast watching uh, the fight between Shazam and Calypso at Citizens Bank Field towards the end of the film, probably due to the Snyder slow-mo that was put into the choreography. If you listen to the DC season that I did last year, you know that I loved the, the slow motion action films, especially in Zack Snyder films. So the film ends with Shazam slash Billy being killed after the fight against Lucy Liu. Uh, a part of me thought that this would be permanent, uh, but it wouldn't fit in this comedy driven movie. Uh, so you can kind of predict that there's going to be a way to bring Shazam back to life. Uh, and this is where Gal Gadot shows up. Well, technically the second time, but I consider this the true cameo of Wonder Woman. Early in the film, we got the scene where Shazam's on a date with Wonder Woman. That gets interrupted by the wizard. Um, played again by Jaiman Hansu, who is always awesome to see. I love that guy. Uh, it's actually Hansu's face on Wonder Woman's body. 
Uh, it was a weird scene that was meant to be funny, I'm sure, but honestly wasn't. Uh, it was just weird. Uh, I didn't quite get what they were going for there. Anyways, Wonder Woman shows up at the end to fix the staff in order to bring life back to Philadelphia along with Shazam slash Billy. Um, they brought Gal Gadot back for that. Uh, it was really lame if you ask me. It, it would have been way better if she showed up during the fight against the Daughters of Atlas to help. Uh, I would love to see Gal Gadot get into some fight sequences. Maybe they're saving that for the Flash movie or the Aquaman movie. She's rumored to be in both of those. Uh, but that's just my opinion. It, it it was still awesome to see Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Uh, she was one of my favorites in the DCEU when Zack Snyder was directing the films. I'll take what I can get at this point. Um, like I said, she is rumored to be in the Flash movie later this summer. So fingers crossed that we get some Wonder Woman action sequences with Gal Gadot. Now, with James Gunn taking over DC, it's unclear on the future of Zachary Levi as Shazam. Uh, it all depends on how the film performs the theaters. Um, from what it sounds like, this is going to be a flop. Um, it's actually already being considered a flop by all the critics. And I don't know if Warner Brothers Discovery has made a statement yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, uh, in the coming weeks that they come out and say, hey, Shazam was a flop. He will not be continuing with the future plans as far as uh, Gunn and Saffron are doing. Not really surprising after how Black Adam performed last year. Um, the post credit scene, which there was one uh, in Fury of the Gods, kind of hints that maybe Shazam will be a part of Gunn's DC Universe. Uh, two characters from the Peacemaker show uh, show up to recruit Shazam for the Justice Society. Uh, I was not a fan of Peacemaker, so this post credit scene did nothing for me. Uh, I really doubt that we will see Zachary Levi returning as Shazam. Um, Gunn and Saffron are basically going to wipe the slate clean after uh, the Flash and Aquaman premiere this year. Uh, the DC Extended Universe is just going to be a footnote in history. Uh, simple as that. We're we're going to be getting a new slate of films with new actors and stories and, and directors and all that. Um, the Flash movie is in the same boat. Uh, rumor is, is it's going to reset everything, which doesn't make sense to me because Aquaman 2 doesn't come out until after The Flash. Um, they really should have flipped those release dates, but I guess it doesn't really matter at this point uh, because we're just, we won't be seeing Ezra Miller or Jason Momoa returning as The Flash or Aquaman in Guns DC Universe. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is just trying to make as much money as possible with these last couple films before moving on to a brand new universe. Um, rumor is, is the flash movie costs like $200 million. Um, like I said, the Shazam costs about 125 million. So they're probably just trying to cover their losses, at least break even with these films before jumping ship and handing over the keys to James Gunn and his new vision for the DC. Uh, so right now DC is kind of in limbo. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe the Flash movie is good. Uh, we had a quote from Tom Cruise earlier that he actually loved the Flash. He personally called the director of it and praised how well it was. So, I mean, if you trust what Tom Cruise says, maybe that is a silver lining for the Flash film. I have low zero expectations for it myself. Same for Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom. Um, I will, of course, be seeing those opening weekend we will be doing a new release reaction for the show on both of those so we will see what 
the end of the DC Extended Universe brings us. So with that, let's rank Shazam Fury of the Gods against the rest of the DC EU. Let me pull up our list here. Now, if you did check out um, the DC season that I did last year, you are probably familiar in how I ranked these. But for those who are new to the show, I will read off the current DC extended list here. We're going to go from the bottom up. So at number 11, we have Wonder Woman, 1984. At number 10, Suicide Squad. 9, Aquaman. 8, Black Adam. 7, Wonder Woman. 6, Birds of Prey. 5, Suicide Squad. 4, Shazam. 3, Man of Steel. 2, Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, the Ultimate Edition. And then at number 1, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So Fury of the Gods... It's better than Wonder Woman 1984, better than Suicide Squad, better than Aquaman. Like I said, better than Black Adam for sure. So the question is, is it better than Wonder Woman? I don't think so. Uh, I think that's going to be the cutoff. I think it's going to... It's tough because the third act of Wonder Woman isn't very good. Uh, I did, however, enjoy the third act of Shazam. Uh, but the rest of Shazam was pretty bad. It's... Nowhere near as fun as Birds of Prey or the Suicide Squad or the first Shazam film. I think I'm going to squeeze it in at the new number eight above Black Adam, but below Wonder Woman. So we are going to put that there. If I had to give it a star rating, it's probably a three out of five star film for me. So this is the new, so there we go. Shazam Fury of the Gods is the new number eight. You can find this whole list on both IMDb and Letterboxd. Uh, and then when The Flash and Aquaman and the Lost, the Lost Kingdom uh, arrive, we will rank those as well. And that'll be it for the DC Extended Universe. That'll be 13 films in that universe, so... Once we have the full list, I will post that on all the social media uh, pages for you all to check out. So let's uh, head over to Scream 6. Scream 6 was released in theaters on March 10th, 2023. It was directed by Tyler Gillert and Matt Bettinelli will open. I probably butchered that name. Apologies, Matt. Uh, they directed the 2022 Scream as well as the VHS film. If you haven't seen those films, check those out. They are really messed up films for sure. The film stars Courtney Cox, Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, and Hayden Panettiere. It has grossed an estimated $116 million so far against a $35 million budget which is phenomenal. Uh, this was a huge hit so far, uh, opening weekend. So uh, everything is pointing to a sequel for sure. This marks the first time that Courtney Cox, who plays Gail Weathers, and Roger Jackson, the voice of Ghostface, have interacted. 
Nev Campbell, who plays Sydney's Prescott in the Scream franchise, does not appear in the film due to a salary dispute with Paramount. Kirby Reed, played by Hayden Panettiere, was originally set to appear in Scream 5, but was unable to be located in time for filming. The film is set in New York City, however, it was shot in Montreal, Canada. There are many callbacks in costume form throughout the film. Uh, on the subway, we have Pinhead, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Pennywise, Chucky, and the Grady twins from The Shining, uh, to name a few, as well as at the frat party, we see Wednesday Adams and Cardboard Knight from Murder Party. There are also a lot of references to the previous five stream films, and I'll talk about all of those uh, during my review. And Scream 7 has not yet been confirmed, but it's very likely that it will be announced very, very soon, considering the massive box office numbers and audience reactions to Scream 6 already. So Scream 6 is freaking awesome. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of the Scream franchise, and this newest chapter reminds us all why we love it so much. But this time, the killings are far more violent. I mean, the bodega sequence was freaking awesome. Ghostface moved a lot faster and was more brutal uh, with the killings this time. The killer even uses a gun for the first time in the franchise, which was an awesome decision. He looked like a badass holding that shotgun with one hand and just blasting that guy in the bodega. So the film follows Sam and Tara Carpenter, who we met in the last Scream, Scream 5. Uh, they're in New York City trying to put the past behind them, or at least Tara is. Uh, Sam is seeing a therapist in an attempt to deal with everything that has happened. Uh, Tara's way of dealing with the trauma is forgetting that it even happened. Uh, Randy's twin niece and nephew, Mindy and Chad, also return from Scream 5, along with newcomers Ethan, Quinn, and Annika. I honestly didn't care much for the new generation of characters in Scream 5 when I first saw it, uh, but with them returning in Scream 6, I really was vibing with them this time around, especially Sam and Tara. Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega are freaking awesome in this film. Uh, Jenna Ortega has become one of the most famous people working in Hollywood right now with her being in the Scream franchise as well as the hit Wednesday series on Netflix. Scream 5 was my introduction to Melissa Barrera and I'm really, really excited to see more of her. I think she's incredible. I hope this opens the door for her to be in more big projects like Scream franchise. Scream 6 also brings back uh, two legacy characters. Well, three technically, if you want to count the ghost of Billy Loomis uh, coming back. Uh, but the two main characters that I'm talking about is Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers and Hayden Panettiere as Kirby Reed. Uh, with Dewey dead and Sydney moving on with her life, Gail and Kirby are our two connections to the previous films. Um, I was never a huge fan of Gail. No offense to Courtney Cox. I think Courtney Cox is amazing. Uh, I just wasn't a huge fan of the Gale character. I always found her annoying, but I guess that's what the character is supposed to be, uh, to be annoying to the audience. And Cox plays it very, very well in all six installments. So kudos to her. She's she's a total badass in this newest one. I mean, she finally gets to talk to Ghostface on the phone, which was an awesome moment as a huge screen fan. The sequence in her apartment was really well done as well. She She ends up getting stabbed a bunch of times at the end of the sequence. But ends up living. I really thought this was going to be the end of the Gail Weathers character. Uh, honestly, it probably should have been. Uh, I'm not mad per se, but she got stabbed like 10 times. She should be dead. That's how a lot of these killings go throughout this film. Like Chad, for example. He gets stabbed like 10 times from two ghost faces in the theater. And still ends up living. 
Uh, it was a brutal scene, but it kind of breaks the reality of the film. I know it's just a movie. It's, it's a slasher film, but it does kind of take the audience out of it when they see a character get stabbed a bunch of times and then end up living at the end of the movie. Uh, that scene where Chad gets demolished and stabbed a bunch of times by the two ghost faces was probably my favorite moment in the film. Uh, we get the, you know, the choreography of them simultaneously stabbing him and then doing the iconic wiping of the blood off the knife at the same time was awesome. That's probably my favorite moment of the, of the film. I know that I'm nitpicking about a slasher film, but it's, it's just something I keep bringing up uh, during the movie to my brother who was sitting next to me while we watched it. It in no way changes how I feel about the film overall. Like I said, I loved that sequence with Chad being stabbed. Um, I, I I just loved this film, and I'm, I had a great time watching it. I can't wait to see it again. Now, Kirby returning is what I was really looking forward to when it was announced that Panettiere was coming back as fan favorite Kirby Reed from Scream 4. Uh, Kirby now works for the FBI, which was really surprising. I honestly didn't see that one coming. I thought maybe she would just happen to be in town, or Gail somehow got a hold of her. But turns out she put herself on the most recent Ghostface case. Kirby, if you remember, was a total badass in Scream 4, and she does it once again here in Scream 6. It would have been nuts if she ended up being the killer, and the film definitely made it seem like it was leaning towards that uh, at the end, but she wasn't. Uh, she was truly, truly trying to protect Sam and Tara. Uh, it would have been awesome, though, if Sydney returned, but it's not the end of the world because it, it had Gale and Kirby, at least. Maybe Nev Campbell will return to Scream 7 uh, if she does ever make amends with Paramount as far as her the uh, the salary dispute. Uh, Scream 7, like I keep saying, is pretty much going to happen uh, because Scream 6 was such a huge hit for critics and audiences. Uh, so I'm pretty positive in the coming weeks we'll, we'll get an announcement from Paramount about Scream 7 starting production. So for the killer, or should I say killers of this story in Scream 6, figuring out who the killer or, or killers are in in these movies is part of the fun. Um, they're great whodunit films. Uh, as a professor, we had Billy and Stu as the killers of the first Scream, Billy's mom and Timothy Oliphant's character, who was Sydney's boyfriend. Uh, they were the killers in Scream 2. Roman, Sydney's half-brother, was the killer in Scream 3. Emma Roberts' Jill character and her secret lover, Charlie, were the killers in Scream 4. And then last year, Scream 5, it was uh, Richie and his secret girlfriend, Amber, uh, which is a big focal point in uh, Scream 6 because the killers in this installment are Richie's father, brother, and sister. Uh, turns out Quinn, who is Tara's roommate, was actually Richie's sister. And then Ethan, who is Chad's roommate, was his brother. And then Detective Bailey was their father. Uh, I pretty much figured out who the killers were early on because Richie's phone number was used a lot by Ghostface in this film. I mean, who else would have his number other than his family? Um, but in these new installments, they're kind of following the footsteps of the original trilogy. Um, so then it would make sense to have Richie's family be the killers, uh, like Billy's mom was the killer in Scream 2. Uh, Ethan and Detective Bailey were also acting very, very odd throughout the film. So it was pretty obvious to me that they were related to Richie in some way. Uh, Quinn, however, uh, took me a little longer to figure out because, well, we supposedly saw her die in the apartment by the hands of Ghostface. 
Uh, it wasn't until the very end where we see Detective Bailey standing next to the two ghost faces. That's when I said to myself, I was like, oh, well, the other has to be Quinn then who faked her death. Um, they all dive at the hands of Sam and Tara, to, uh, which was an awesome, awesome third act. Um, they died really brutally, too. Uh, Ethan at one point gets stabbed in the mouth by Tara and Detective Bailey gets stabbed all over the freaking place by Sam, who is dressed up as Ghostface at the end. Um, very brutal. Like she was really getting into it when she was stabbing Detective Bailey. It was blood everywhere. It was gory. Um, choreography and the stabbing was was freaking awesome. Uh, Quinn gets the shit beat out of her um, and then shot in the head by Sam, which was awesome. Uh, that whole third act, like you keep saying, was violent as hell, and I, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, this whole film was brutal and violent. I I just I had a real blast watching it. I can't I can't wait to own this and rewatch it with the rest of the franchise. I wasn't really vibing with the internal battle with Sam throughout the film, though. Um, the writers introduced this subplot of Sam having this battle with herself on whether she's like her dad, Billy, or not. Um, we get that shot at the end of the film where she's looking at the ghost face mask as if she's going to keep it, uh, but she ultimately doesn't. Uh, we instead get an awesome shot of the mask on the ground as Sam and Tara walk away. I honestly would love a poster of that shot. It was incredible. I loved how they did that. Um, maybe this internal battle with Sam will become something more in Screen 7. Maybe we see Sam even become Ghostface in that one. That would be pretty wild. Or maybe Sydney becomes a killer. Anything is pretty much possible at this point with the franchise. And I'll be there opening weekend for every single installment for sure. I just, I absolutely love this franchise. I was kind of hoping Matthew Lillard's stew was going to make a return to the franchise as a killer. Um, there is a huge fan theory out there um, that has actually been around since the first Scream came out um, that Stu survived the events of the film and is planning a comeback. Um, with Sidney not in the film, I'm kind of glad that he wasn't. I think fans would really want Sidney and Gail to be present if Stu does come back uh, for, for nostalgia reasons. Um, I mean, how freaking awesome would that be to see these three characters on screen together after almost 30 years? Um, one can only hope, though. Matthew Lillard, if you're if you're possibly listening to this episode, please come back to the Scream franchise. It would be freaking awesome to see you in a ghost face mask after all these years. Like I said, I still had a blast watching Scream 6, even though Stu and Sydney didn't come back. Uh, I highly recommend fans of the franchise in particular check it out for sure. Uh, because there are a lot of Easter eggs in it. I mean, we get an entire theater full of stuff for previous films, like every mask that was used, um, the knives, the TV, the the knives that were used to kill everybody, the TV that supposedly kills Stu, the clothing, the pictures, the phones. It was awesome to see all that stuff being um, a huge Scream fan that I am. I just, I absolutely love it when franchises fill you up with nostalgia like that. Um, that's why I love things like the Mandalorian and Cobra Kai so much. They, they, they really lean into that nostalgia so much. I would give scream six, four stars out of five. It, it doesn't get five stars because figuring out the killers was pretty easy for me. Uh, and I wasn't really vibing with that internal battle with Sam. Like I was talking about just because it isn't a five star film though, doesn't mean it isn't a great film. It, because it is. It's it's freaking awesome. It's just tough when you have the first Scream and Scream 4, which is a huge surprise to me. I love Scream 4. Um, it's just tough when you have a couple of like 
well, I mean, all these films are awesome. It's just the first Scream is so iconic and so loved. And then Scream 4 came out of nowhere in 2011 and was, of course, the, the last film that Wes Craven did before his uh, his passing. But it's just really tough and to, gonna, uh, to rank these films, which I am going to do in here in a second. Uh, but just because I label it four stars does not mean it's a bad film. Uh, I would love to give it five stars. It's just when you're ranking franchises like this, you kind of have to get nitpicky in order to give an honest ranking list. So with that, let's uh, let's rank Scream 6 uh, and the rest of the Scream franchise. So we have six films here. Let me pull up the list. So I've been debating this all week. I just, it's going to be really tough to rank these. Um, so we're going to start with my least favorite. Um, I think Scream 3 is going to be at the bottom of the list. Um, it's I still enjoy watching it every time. It's just, when I think of Scream, that's probably the last film that I think of. Um, but it's still really fun to watch. So that'll sit there at number six. Number five, I think I'm going to put Scream 2 there. Um, I think Timothy Oliphant and Billy's mom being the killers were was wild. I just, they kind of got a little weird towards the end. Like They were really going for it, acting-wise. Um, but, but we still get that awesome scene in Scream 2 where they're in film class and they're talking about sequels. Uh, it's like stuff like that, that I love. I love talking about movies. That's why I made this show. So that scene in particular always stands out to me, but that's pretty much it. When I, when I think of scream two is that scene and then who the killers are. It's not like the first scream where I can basically picture the entire movie in my head or scream four, which is, was a huge surprise to me. And it was, it was awesome to see, um, the franchise return after so many years. Um, uh, so number five is going to be Scream 2. Number four, I think I'm going to put Scream 5 here. Um, again, I love I love this franchise. I was really uh, surprised by how well Scream 5 did last year when I saw it in theaters. Um, I had a blast watching it. So I'm going to put Scream 5 here at number uh, four. Number three. I think this is where Scream 6 is going to go. Um, I just really love the first Scream and Scream 4. Um, I had a blast watching Scream 6. Um, I think it's a little bit better than last year's Scream. So I'm going to put Scream 6 at number 4. And so that'll leave Scream 4 and the first Scream. We're going to put Scream 4 at number 2. And then the first scream at number one, which is my absolute favorite. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite film in the slasher genre. Uh, it's definitely my favorite out of the, uh, the entire franchise. So there is the scream ranking right now. Number one is the first scream, two, scream four, three, scream six, four, scream five, or scream as they just called it for whatever reason. Scream five is scream two. Uh, number five, sorry, is Scream 2. The number six is Scream 3. So you can check out that list um, on both IMDb and Letterboxd. So that is Scream 6. So yeah, definitely check 
check it out uh, in theaters. You know, support the film, support theaters. Go out and see it. Um, it's it. You're gonna have a blast, especially uh, huge Scream fans are gonna love it because it it like I keep saying it leans so hard into the nostalgia. Well, that'll do it for this week's double feature new release reaction episode. Tune in next time for my thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4, which arrives in theaters March 24th. Also, check out the Game of Thrones season going on right now. Later this week, I'll be breaking down Episode 6 through 10 of Season 5. Later, everyone.